I got a really interesting listener email about the President of the United States I must respond to. We will start, though, with Ellie Golding and the alphabet soup of people out there that seem to hate Christians. We'll do that and more on today's Core True Act show. This is the best thing, the best thing that could be happening. And I think you would agree the best thing is that it's happening to you and me. For, for real, like the second or third thing we'll do is respond to an email from a listener named Joel who wrote a very pro-Trump email. Like, I like this guy because he is he is taking me on in a way that is productive and thoughtful and he's got cool analogies. And so I want to get to that email because he did a good job on it. Uh, but there's something deeper happening in the culture I want to start with. We'll do that in just a moment. First, my name is Corey Truax. We're dedicated to smarter, deeper, better talk about everything here on the Corey Truax Show. Thank you for listening on 91.9 and 92.9, his radio talk on Sunday mornings. Or if you are listening to the podcast, wherever you listen, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and SoundCloud, Anchor, wherever you listen, thank you for doing so. When you rate and review the show, you help other people find it. I would be honored if you would do so. I'm also the pastor for teaching at Beachwood Church. Beachwood meets at 1030 on Sunday mornings in Greenville, South Carolina. We'd love to have you any given Sunday morning at 1030. I'm also about to finish up my November series in the Gospel of Mark. You can find all of those sermons out there on the podcast feed. More of you than what I anticipated have done that to go find those sermons. And so thank you. You can even share those out on social media. I think that's a good idea as well. Let's start here. Out in the Christian world, one of the bigger stories of the uh, of the last week has been Chick-fil-A deciding to no longer give charitable donations to the Salvation Army. Most people interpreting the reason for that uh, is the uh, some kind of cowardice that the the LGBT folks, the alphabet soup of people, LGBT plus, have put enough pressure on Chick-fil-A that uh, that. The Salvation Army is perceived as anti-trans because they don't let biological men stay in the same facilities or use the same facilities as biological women, despite what they identify as. So as a matter of safety, they have that policy that's perceived as anti-trans, and so the Chick- Chick-fil-A stops giving them money and says they're going to work on homelessness. <laughs> Listen, I don't, I don't have any hate for chick I really don't have any hate for Chick-fil-A. Private companies can do whatever they want with their money. But the... Uh, the idea of, I would like to help with homelessness. Therefore, we're not going to give to Salvation Army. Um, that's like their thing. They they help with homelessness. That who are you going to give your money to, if you're not going to give it to them to help with homelessness? In any event, it it, it is clear that it's just a business interest. The uh, one of their marketing people or one of their higher ups said in, said in an interview. As we are moving into new markets, we want to do everything we can to to fix the to address whatever perception we have as LGBT uh, anti LGBT, and th- what they mean by that is growing into Canada and growing into some of the states out west, and th- as the trouble they've had in airports, and so just as a matter of economic interest, you see why they're doing what they're doing, and I'm barely f- offended by it. They're a chicken place, guys. That's what they do. They make chicken. If you like it. Just go get it. If not, that's fine too. There's lots of chicken places. We, we, we can stop having... It would be great if we could stop having a culture war over everything. Everything has to be a culture war. And so uh, there, there's that story. There's Chick-fil-A, no longer going to give to Salvation Army. 
I don't call it cowardice. I know a lot of people are. Just a business interest. But it is, it is definitely because of the pressure they are feeling from LGB, anti, excuse me, LGBT plus groups. Related story. I'm building to something big, by the way. I'm, I'm building you a case, and then we're going to do that thing I always do. We're going to go to the deeper meanings of the stories because, as we can re- recapitulate, small minds talk about people, medium minds talk about events, and the deep minds talk about ideas. Well, right now, we're talking about the people and the events. We're getting the small and the medium in just a bit. I'm going to give you the big. There's a big idea sitting behind everything I'm telling you. So one, Chick-fil-A. And no longer going to give to the Salvation Army under pressure from... LGBT groups. Next, Ellie Golding. She is a moderately talented singer from the UK. Had some pretty big hits. I I think uh, she was supposed she was scheduled to do the halftime show at the Dallas Cowboys Thanksgiving Day game where they're going to play and lose to the Bills. I hate that. I love the Cowboys, but they can't beat the Bills. Uh, the Bills defense is just too good this year. In any event, they're going. To, uh, she was scheduled to play that. She was going to play the halftime show, which is a big honor. I mean, there's the Super Bowl, there's playoffs, but Dallas Cowboys playing on Thanksgiving really is an American institution, whether you like the Cowboys or not. It's a big American thing, and she was going to play the halftime show. The ha- halftime show is sponsored by, or at least it is it is the prim- one of the primary ways in which, again, Salvation Army promotes itself. Uh, you'll, you'll actually see on the Dallas Cowboys field during that game, they'll have these big red kettles. They're human-sized, big old things. And because the Salvation Army is so, so so closely associated with the halftime show and that game, Ellie Golding started getting some hate on Twitter and on on social media. You're being involved with an anti-LGBT group by the Salvation Army being there and you being there. You're supporting them. First, that's insane. There's some in, there's some insan- insanity about that kind of association. We we happen to be in the same place. Obviously, I don't. She, she doesn't support the Salvation Army's view, although the Salvation Army's view is, again, utterly logical. They're not even really being attacked as anti-gay because the Salvation Army actually provides like health insurance to uh, spouses if in a homosexual relationship. Uh, they, they hire LGBT folks. It's written into their, their system. It's just that at their shelters, if you are a guy saying you're a woman, you can't stay with the women. It's not safe. And if you are a woman and you say you're a guy, you can't stay with the guys. This is literally a beggars can't be choosers situation. And, and uh, Salvation Army is just right. They are absolutely right on this uh, on this distinction. And they're getting some hate for it. So Ellie Golding says she is uh, she, she's pulling out unless Salvation Army. Um, she said <laughs> she said donates to the LGBT community. What? How do I do that? Where, do, where does the check go out to? To the community? We just find all the LGBT folks and give them a little check? What does that even mean? She just knows she was getting attacked by this, uh, I'm going to say it, cultic mob. It's a cultic mob, this LGBT folks. And she knew she needed to uh, She needed to get out. Plus, she's, she's been a, a long-time supporter of uh, LGBT folks. Okay, so... Uh, couple things on that, and again, we're moving to something big. That is a really bad look. I mean, the Salvation Army is primary purpose, especially this time of year, is toys for poor kids. This is something we should all be able to get behind. Like, who on earth is out there being antsy toys for poor kids, not wanting to associate with the place that gives toys to poor kids? 
and she is r- really, really, uh, really tentative about being associated with these people. So that is a, that's just a bad look for her. Like between choosing the organization that's trying to help the homeless and give toys to poor children, and the community who is highly privileged in the Western world that happens to have a, a sexual inclination that's not the majority sexual inclination, when she ch- had to choose between poor children and homeless people and those with an, another sexual predilection, she chose the sexual predilection and said, no, I don't care about the poor kids. That's a really bad look. It's also a clear declaration in a secular culture that there is one thing above all else. There is nothing more important than your autonomous sexual freedom. Truly, diminish everyone else. Nothing matters but my sexual inclination being affirmed. It's the most important thing in the whole world. And I, this is now we're moving towards something deeper. So you've got Chick Fil A, and them being pushed and bullied into no longer support, supporting Salvation Army. Plus, they're just generally bullied already. Chick Fil A is bullied out of airports and out of malls and out of I think it was whatever county San Antonio is is in. Like they. Because the owner has a position, I've said this many times, he has the position on marriage that Barack Obama had, like, uh, what was it, 2000, it was 2012 is when he made his mind up that he, he changed. So he, so the owner of Chick-fil-A has the same position that all Democrats had, like, five minutes ago. And, it's bec- and so uh, we, we have to destroy them. Chick-fil-A must be destroyed by these folks. Okay, so the Chick-fil-A story. There's the Ellie Golding story. And then I would add on this story from a couple of weeks ago where there's the, uh, is it GLAD? The GLAD group. They said they their goal was to pressure networks, TV networks, that I think it was 20%, 20 or 25% of all characters on primetime television be an LGBT character. A couple quick things. Best we can tell, it's somewhere around 5%. It's actually a little less of the American population identifies somewhere on the LGBTQ spectrum. It is relatively a very small group of people. Moreover, that relatively small group of people is gathered in major cities. So you you have the, the big metropolitan areas, New York, Washington, D.C., L.A., San Francisco. This is where the majority live. It's a vast, like, I've had someone say, do you even know a gay person? Well, the answer is, yeah, I think three, tangentially, no. Uh, but that's, it's actually a hard thing to do. Less than 5% of the, of the population identifies as LGBT. I'd also challenge, do you actually know anyone who's actually a real Christian, actually practices it? There's, there's this idea that, that Christians and conservative people are sheltered, but you guys are the, the, the other side of the ones that are so metropolitan, they know all kinds of different people. Do you know anyone that disagrees with you? Do you know anyone that actually has a different thought? So, in any event, the that group, Glad, wants to see twenty or twenty-five percent of TV characters in primetime be LGBT, which is absurd because it is, it's not representative of the actual population. Second, in terms of media wins, the LGBT folks have won media. There, there are no uh, gay characters are never the bad guy. They're always the good guy. They st- gay characters started in sitcoms as comic relief, but someone you really liked. But now in some of the dramas, they're always the good people, right? So this is and you know who's always the bad people, by the way, in um in TV dramas. It's it's usually white Christians, usually a dude. That's the, those are the bad guys in the culture. So like you you won the culture war, the LGBT folks. You won. It's over. But they they want to force that 
on the rest of us as well. And actually, it did occur to me, now that I'm talking about GLAAD, they said to Chick-fil-A that it, what they did here with not giving to the, the organization that helps poor kids and homeless people, that wasn't enough. The, the GLAAD official came out and said they have to, this is a quote, unequivocally speak out against anti-LGBTQ reputation. So that it's never enough. No matter what you do, it's not enough. So you got the Chick-fil-A thing, Ellie Golding, want to be on TV 20-25%. No matter what Chick-fil-A does, it's never enough. So all of these stories, there's something deeper happening. And for some part of my listenership, what I'm about to say is not popular, but there is a deep spiritual meaning to what's going on here. Here we go. Western in the Western world in LGBTQ activism. The reason they're so aggressive, the reason they need to see Chick-fil-A shut down, the reason they need to see Salvation Army shut down, like literally the place that helps poor kids and homeless people, I don't care. They don't affirm what I want in my sexual life. The reason they need to shut down all opposition is this. Their conscience is screaming at them. The conscience of many LGBT folks. Because the Lord is good, there's a conscience in them saying, s- telling them the truth about sexuality. And they so deeply want to turn their conscience off. They so deeply do not want to have this conviction. The idea is this internal voice is speaking to me about my behavior and how I how, how I interact with my urgings, how I interact with my desires. It's, it's so bothersome to me. I'm going to externalize it to the other voices. It's an internal voice, but I hear external voices saying these things and I must destroy them. I would call it psychotic, a psychosis, but it is the conscience. If you must destroy the people who don't affirm your lifestyle, it's because something deep in you is telling you something about how you're living. And I think that's what we're seeing in these stories. Yes, it's interesting that Chick-fil-A made this decision. Yeah, it's interesting what, what, the, what these folks are making Ellie Golding do. And it's interesting that there's this activism for TV affirmation. But underneath it all, from the Christian worldview, we should recognize what's happening. His consciences are screaming. And so, we can be mad at him. We can go to war. Or we can be that voice in the culture that defends, defends rights and defends what's good. But actually just says to people that, yeah, you're invited. You're, you're invited into a conversation about Jesus. You're, you're invited into a conversation about conversion and repentance. Because something deep is happening here. And we should be the folks who are sensitive to it. When we come back, I got a very interesting email from a listener that's super pro-Trump. And so this is interesting for us, right? That's We don't really talk a lot about politics on the show. And I think there's, again, something deeper to do here. Something deeper in the culture uh, to, to talk about through this email. So we're going to do that when we come back. We'll do a whole lot more on the rest of the Corey Act Show. Thank you for sticking with us. You can find me, Corey Truax, on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. 
look for me, Corey Truax. It's a very weird name, so you will find me quickly. And I would be honored if you would follow along as we, uh, as I look for stuff throughout the week, as we live life together on the interwebs. So go ahead and follow along. I'd love to, to follow along with you as well. I got an email from a listener named Joel. I believe this is the first time he's written into the show. At least I think this is a... We might have had a Joel in the past. I think this is a different Joel. I liked his attitude. He said he's been listening for a while. He listened to me when I filled in for Dr. Beam and turned me off during the... I'm summarizing the somewhat long email. Turned me off during the uh, the primaries because he was kind of... A, he's a Trump guy and he thought I was being really aggressively... Too, being too aggressive on the anti-Trump stuff and uh, he's come back around and he's, he's listened some and... Uh, he, he said he just, he just wants to try to convince me. He says, I, I want you to, to, to try to see, now that the, the primaries are over, like just see it this way. And so he gave me two illustrations. Now, I maybe, maybe this is notorious on the show. I've said many times, I do not like arguments by analogy. I specifically have some people in my life that love to do that. They love to make arguments by analogy. Well, let's imagine if this were the scenario. And I always want to stop and go, let's not. Let's not imagine that's a thing for children to do, is use our imaginations. Instead, let's talk about facts and reason and how logic lines up on top of each other. I don't care to imagine a scenario. But these were interesting enough, and it was worth discussion. So here we go. Joel first said, you need, <laughs> you need to see the president as an eclipse. So you never look at it. You never look at the eclipse, right? It could ruin your eyes. You know, we had we had that. Um, I guess it's called a solar eclipse a few years ago. That was twenty fifteen or sixteen. It was like I, I think I put this on Facebook this year. I still think about that eclipse like once a week, maybe every other week. It blew my mind. It was one of the most significant things I've ever seen. It was incredible. And people were saying, you know, you put on these glasses, you definitely don't look at the eclipse. And his analogy was, that's the president. Don't look at him. It's bad when you look at him. It's frustrating. He says stuff you don't like. He does dumb stuff on Twitter. He behaves like a, I would say behaves like a, a buffoon, and I could say a lot of other things. Said, but look at the effect of the eclipse. When the eclipse happens, the, the air gets cooler, and some of those bugs that make their sounds at night, they start to make their sounds, and you can start to see the effects of the eclipse, but don't look up at it because the effects are so good. And his, obviously the analogy there is... Well, don't look at it. It's damaging. It'll damage your eyes. You're, you're going to get mad if you look at it. But look at, the un, look at the unemployment rate. Look at the GDP growth. Look at incomes, which are starting to go up a little faster. Look at the, look at the judges. Look at the effects. Don't look at the man. So a couple things. First, Joel, that's a great analogy. Good job, man. Um, effective argumentation, especially with analogies, which I hate. You did a good job with it. That's one. So, uh, but to respond to it. Okay, let's look at some of the other effects, too. I mean, I'm very grateful for the effect that we've had economically. Let's not forget that he's actually going to, he's going to beat, Trump's going to beat Obama for debt. He's going to run up more debt than President Obama. I just never thought that'd be possible. But he doesn't care about it. He's talked about how he doesn't care about debt. He's, I think this is largely why he doesn't want his tax returns out. You'll see how collateralized he is, um, he's, or how, excuse me, wrong term, leveraged, how leveraged he is, he's in a lot of debt, he called himself the king of debt, if you recall that, during the campaign, one of my big things is he talked about debt as a good thing, like, right now, interest rates are so low, it's time for the federal government to borrow, like, what, what, we're voting for the guy who says it's time for the federal government to borrow more because interest rates are so low, so, uh, there's, there's the debt, there's, that's an issue, uh, but yeah, there's been some other good stuff, there, the, the judges have been 
mostly great. Uh, obviously, tax the tax um tax cut was was good. It's what any given like Jeb Bush would have given you that tax cut, for example. You would have gotten that from any any Republican. So there's been some good stuff. But what, you do have to always do the cost benefit analysis, and so I I do the the benefits. I, I am so honest about those benefits. And then there is that cost. You know, the the, uh, the term that gets thrown around in the media a lot is how the the president diminishes the country's institutions. In the, you know, the the media has no credibility. They're they're all garbage people. This is one of the things that we can do uh, as Americans is just recognize as arbiters and objective uh, objective observers of the world that two people can be on opposite sides of something and they can both be terrible. And when Donald Trump is in a battle with the media, well, just objectively observe. Both are terrible. They're just bad. And same, so the media here, he, he affects our institutions. This is one that they actually get right. The institutions of America are concepts like uh, separation of powers and checks and balances and, and, the, and, gover- and the government, the presidency not being this powerful and significant. And then also uh, the, the institutions that we've built that uh, we have a certain decorum that we treat each other in a certain way that there's some there's some honor that should be uh, that should be employed by those in those in leadership so these fundamental assumptions that we've we've made about how we deal with each other in not just in government but just uh, in our behavior in public life he diminishes the institutions and so yeah there is good effects there's also bad effects i would argue actually he's been the he's had a worse effect on the culture than Obama. Because there was, with Obama, he had a, he had a bad effect on the culture. Uh, I think with secularization, there's, I'm not going to some other, uh, there were some, some tensions he built amongst amongst groups that he, he didn't have to. Like we, he, he had the opportunity, President Obama had the opportunity to be really a reconciler on racial stuff, but he found that he had an advantage that if he could keep a racial tension that he was going to win out on some things. And so he was a, a cult. He was a poison on the culture, but so is this president, particularly because the people who were supposed to be the ones about honor and behavior and character, all the people that preach that stuff, all even even usual a little here is what you're saying. You're saying the the character and the honor and the goodness isn't there, so don't look at it. So just ignore it and accept the uh, the effect of the eclipse. Don't look at the eclipse. And I'm not willing. I'm unwilling to give up one for the one for the other. Those who are willing, I'm not telling you you're wrong. I, I mean that. Uh, those that I, I know, you know just want to go, there can't wait to go vote for them again in, in 2020. I get what you're saying. I I disagree, but I, I don't even like what I'm doing. And so, okay, so that's your first thing. The eclipse, interesting. That's how I respond to it. Number two, he gave the analogy of seeing Trump as a... a uh, I'm using this without the N at the end of the word. So this is the uh, the feature that the Army Corps of Engineers would build. He is a dam against certain types of evil. So there is this building left-wing secularization waters that are trying to come and crush us, and he is the dam holding it back. Now, it's, at some level, I, I get the person who would say this for this reason. We just talked about this, these LGBT folks. These, it, it is cultic. They're so dedicated to feeling affirmed in their sin that they're willing to try to destroy the people they perceive as enemies. And so you have that group. You seem to have a group of people who want, want to destroy free speech itself, who, who talk about speech 
as violence that's happening on college campuses. They say speech is violence. We have the pro-abortion crowd who seem to think that abortion after birth, we saw that in, with the Virginia governor. Like, we, there is evil. Those, that's real. The part of your analogy here, that like he is the dam holding back the evil. The evil's real. The, when I look out at Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren's economic policies, there is evil there. I don't think they're necessarily evil intent, but the effect it will have on human flourishing is bad. The effect it will have on innovation, the effect it would have on our economic growth and poverty, it's bad. It's not good. It's going to hurt people. And so he is the, the dam holding back the evil. So I affirm part two. What the American secular left presents is damaging and hurtful and it and when it when it gets released on us all, it'll hurt it'll hurt human flourishing and it's bad. Really, any Republican, you don't have to have this guy, any Republican in that seat because he is bound to his base and he's he's got to keep his support, he'd serve the same function in terms of policy. The the I, uh, so in policy, I, if you're meaning character, like he's he's fighting back against them. Yeah, I don't even think he's that effective of a fighter, though. He just he riles up more enemies than he actually wins over. This is something I think I said on the show here recently. Maybe I said it in a sermon that we are much too obsessed with uh, getting wins over people than winning people over. So listen to that again one time. We're more obsessed with getting wins over people than winning people over. And so in this culture war, that every, everything has to be culture war, I would love to win some people over. Not necessarily to agree with me, but to recognize that we can live in harmony if we don't force our opinions on each other. If we don't force our, our positions on each other, and you just go live how you want, and I live how I want, we'll be fine. I don't need to spike the ball. I don't need to dominate the other side. I just want to get live in peace. Live in peace with my neighbor. That's what I want. And so if we could be people who are trying to win others over, yes, to our side, but how about just to neutrality, where we're just not trying to destroy each other. And so I don't think he's a unique dam against that evil. Most Repu- Any Republican you put in the seat would, would serve the function when it comes to policy. And in terms of tactics, I don't, we're, not, we're not being served well by fighting. I think that assumes we have to fight the left. Guys, I don't want to. That's exhausting and it's not even effective, fight to the left. I know they want to fight you, but man, throughout all of... I'm talking, I talk like all my audience is conservative. It's not, but it is a majority. Throughout human history, the uh, movements that have been the most successful have been those that have been... Uh, have, have, have had passive resistance. It's not the fighters... It's those that have, have loved their enemies and, and shown the, those who are in the neutral that, that they're the decent person. You know, I, I said recently on the show, uh, in the Revolutionary War, it was around 15 or 20% of the people on this continent were participating. Vast majority of the people on this continent were not participating. They just wanted peace. They just wanted things to get back to normal. That it, if, it's, if it's the crown or if it's Washington, if it's a Congress or if it's a king, just give me some peace. The people, the, the, and that's the vast majority of people in our culture. They're disinterested observers. And if we are the ones that will behave winsomely and lovingly, and it's obvious that the other side is not, they're mean. They're hateful. The, the anti-Christian people, they're just mean. They're just so bitter. If we cannot be that, if we cannot be the bitter people, 
the neutral folks will see us as much more sympathetic. So I, I don't I don't see him as particularly being the dam holding back the evil, although I do see the evil. But then something related here, and then we'll move on. One of the things that came up in that last election was, uh, and some of the language used around politics, is, man, if, if, if this election doesn't go this way, everything's going to end, everything's going to be destroyed. Like, the left will destroy us. And just straight up, guys, I just don't believe you. I don't believe it. And someone tells you that, they're trying to rile you up to get you to do something you probably shouldn't do. There's other elections, guys. If you got to sacrifice one to win another one down the road, continually acting like every, like every election is the end of everything. And if that person over there gets power, we'll never recover. How about this? Calm down. We're going to be fine. The, the country's been through worse than we are right now. Everybody calm down. It's going to be all right. Okay. I'm going to take this first this break a little early. And when we come back, I think I have a couple other listener emails I want to get to. But I will decide over the break. And then, by the way, at the end of the show... Heath and I actually have a really good discussion discussion about Colin Kaepernick coming up. You do not want to miss that. So if you're one of the folks that says, hey, they're going to talk about sports, and I think I'm done, do not, we're not doing sports, really. We're really talking about some character things happening out in the sports world. So it's much more deeper than what's happening on the court. It's what's happening with the people who are on the court. So that's at the end of the show. Uh, we'll come back and either get into some more listener email, or I'll figure it out over the break when you come back for the rest of the Corey Act Show. Welcome back to the Corey Act Show for the final segment. Another quick reminder at the end of the show. We have the sports segment is very different this week where uh, there's two big stories. One is a football player named Miles Garrett tried to murder someone, is what it seemed like. He took off a player's helmet and hit him in the head with it. That's at least like attempted manslaughter or something. I might be taking that too far. But Heath and I talk about that and Colin Kaepernick. Real before At the end of the show, we'll talk about it, but I have been maybe the most pro-Colin Kaepernick voice in all of conservative or Christian media. Like, I've been really sympathetic to this guy, and he's made it impossible to be sympathetic. The dude's just got a really big ego. That's coming from me. Guys, when, when measuring egos, it's hard to find one bigger than mine, and I think Colin Kaepernick, Kaepernick might have it. So we'll talk about that at the end of the show. Uh, before we do that, so let's get into some listener stuff. Um, I put out on Instagram before we're doing the show, uh, do you guys have questions or topics you want covered? Um, some folks send in the Chick-fil-A thing, but uh, Ben, he he wrote in and said, weather manipulation. So if you want my thoughts on weather manipulation, I, you, listeners, man, you guys are great. If you guys don't know about this, there is there, there are folks out there who already believe that major governments have machines and devices and things they can do to manipulate the weather, create... Hurricanes or famines and droughts and all that stuff. So, uh, one, I don't think it's widespread. The, for those that live in the in the conspiracy world that think this is a thing that governments can do or some kind of shadow government does. But second, I think we could get there. We know a lot about weather. Uh, th- there's even some evidence that we can put some planes in the sky with certain reg- uh, weather conditions when it comes to clouds. Um, to cause them to rain, like we can almost see to the clouds. And 
I'm I'm really pro weather manipulation. I think that goes to the to the biblical idea of uh, of subduing the earth. Like if if scientifically we can find a way to get the earth to do what we want it to do weather wise, that'd be incredible. Like if there's a place in drought and famine and needs rain, well, let's use our weather manipulation machine and get it to rain over there. We got some pretty bad flooding or a bad situation over here. If we needed to stop raining or we need to divert the storm, if we have a way to do it, I'm really pro weather manipulation. It is hard to overstate how pro technology I am. That makes some people nervous how pro technology I am. But I look at the scientific world and the technological advancement and I have some rose colored glasses on it. I love what we've already achieved and I, I look like I look for more. And if one of those is weather manipulation, one hundred percent I am in. Next. Got a question on tithing in the uh, for the show. Uh, and it basically asked, because there was a discussion apparently in a church, small group setting about tithing, and this person just wants my opinion. Oh boy. Just, uh, this is always unpopular, talking about money in churches. Um, so t- t- the real tithe, I mean, it doesn't mean tenth. If you add up, if you add up all the Old Testament taxes or tithings that you would give uh, into the temple or to the priesthood that you would then give f- for the poor um, to the, into the storehouses. If you add it all up, it's actually more like 23%. It's not just 10%. And so if someone is asking, are you are you for the tithe? Are you for the, for the Christian giving a tithe? First, I want to say, well, really, the requirement you're talking about, if you're going to old cover, covenant requirements, you're actually looking at more like 23% of what someone had. Uh, so that's one. Two, Jesus did talk about the tithe. Um, he in, in that in a, in a favorable way. So let's I can even go that far. I've talked about the tithe in a favorable way. I I've landed here on the tithe. One of the markers of the Christian life, one of the ways you can know you're following Jesus, is if have if you have a spirit of generosity. That your natural inclination is to have a, a philosophy of things and material that you hold loosely to them. That my provision, my good, my care will not come from my own work ethic, will not come from my own cunning, will not come from my own ability. God is the giver of all good gifts. And if I give away some things, I'm going to be okay. Moreover, that when I have the ability to increase my level of living, when I could get a nicer car or a bigger house, just because I can doesn't mean I will. It means I I have now more. That more doesn't have to be spent on me. It can actually, it can be given. And and it's my heart. My heart is to be generous. And so there is no such thing as faithfully following Jesus and not being a giving person. You have to be a giving person if you're following Jesus. He has given so much to us. Part of the reaction that we have uh, to, to react to him being giving to us is that we are givers. I'm going to make a quick plug. Uh, do not give to me in this show in lieu of giving to a, to your church. Your giving is to be to your local church. It is not supposed to be to a, to a podcast or a radio show. You can give to those, but it should never replace what you give to your local church. Consider this. Jesus gets up on a hill before he, he ascends into heaven. And he gives the mission statement for believers everywhere. Like, if you feel aimless in life, you don't know what you're supposed to do. Well, I do. Jesus told us before he left. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That is your mission statement from Jesus. And so, your 
and and so your your conduit for that, what what God instituted for that, was the local church. Well, what is the conduit by which we are going to go make disciples? Well, we do it to the local church, so that is where your tithes should go. But I would say, hey, by the way, if you've already given to your church and you have a little extra coin near the end of the year here, uh, you can go over to CoreyTruax.com. And also on the Anchor app, you can become, like some of you have, and I'm so grateful, recurring givers. Uh, you can just give to the show every month, whatever you think it's worth, and I would you know, highly appreciate that. Okay, so that's the tithe. Um, the other thing I would mention, so definitely, definitely be generous. That's part of the call of the Christian. I wouldn't put the law on anyone of 10%, but I think that's a good spot. I think it's a good start, uh, spot to start is that 10%, but I would not make it. Uh, a law, I don't think the, the text gives me that ability. I had another question on tithing a while back. I know, can't find it, but I know the, the gist in the email was he heard from some other host of some show, on apparently on 91.9 or 92.9 on his radio, somebody said, if you are in, in a debt that is not uh, a, an investment, then you shouldn't be giving at all. So like your house, that's an investment. So you, you're in debt for it, but you're also building equity and value on it. But if you have credit card debt, you have debt that is not of, a, of an asset, then don't give at all was this person's uh, advice because you're not really giving from your own. You're giving from the what you've borrowed. I, I just can I go to the text, man. I go, go to the Bible. I don't have... Who cares what my opinions are, right? We just want to know uh, what Scripture could tell us. I, I don't see that there's su- support for that. I would want to. I would need to hear that fleshed out some more, uh, but I'm not on board. Um, if you're in any debt, I mean, there's. I, I had somebody recently on Instagram say, "Hey, why don't you do a show about financial management? You know, do some Dave Ramsey stuff." Uh, I'm not a huge fan of Dave Ramsey at all. Really, he's got a bad attitude. But I mean, we can talk about good money management. Uh, it starts with this: don't buy stuff you don't need. Don't buy stuff to try to impress people you barely like. Don't spend your money that way. It's one of the weird things about Americans and how we spend money. We spend it to get things to impress people that we actually don't even really like. And so uh, don't spend your money that way. Uh, you live within your means. This is all good. Uh, this is all good counsel. There's some debt that just comes in life. It just It's part of, unfortunately, I guess, it's just part of the natural state of the American Christian and the American person. Uh, so I would not say stop giving while you're paying down that debt. But come up with a plan. If you're just... If you don't have a plan for how to pay down this debt, if you don't have a five-year goal, 10-year goal, then do that. Sit down, be honest with yourself. Uh, and then when you've com- completed paying off of that debt, you can use that money on yourself if you want. Or, hey, look at that. You can be more generous now that you're out of all that debt. I think that was the last one I wanted to get to from the emails. Uh, so just quick, let's do some quick news update. I have monitored this impeachment thing best I can. And best I can, t- I can tell. Uh, they're they're going to vote to impeach him, and the Senate will have every reason to acquit. I, the president's obviously not a, a good dude. He's done some things he shouldn't have done. But I've listened closely for something impeachable, and I don't even think he should be impeached because you can't impeach somebody for being a bad guy. They're supposed to actually do something wrong. Uh, so that's it. Um, I've been watching it closely. I think they will impeach him. He'll be acquitted, and he probably deserves to be acquitted as well. All right, we have one, run out of time for serious stuff. Let's go ahead and move on to sports. Are you ready? Tis 
football season. We are in the heart of it, and we are going to talk about it with our sports correspondent, Heath Powell. Hi there, sir. Hey, man. Let's do the actual professional thing for a second. Last Thursday night, Miles Garrett of the Cleveland Browns got into a scuffle with Mason Rudolph, the yep. uh, Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback, and he went nuts, ended up grabbing his helmet off and hit him with it. Yep. Your reaction after you saw it? Well, I mean, we've seen players rip each other's helmets off. There's been wide receivers and cornerbacks doing it for years, but at least they drop the helmet. Yes. Once you swing the helmet, it's a weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I walk outside and bring my Clemson helmet and just smack you in the head with it, I'm going to jail for assault. Yes, at least for some period of time. For some period of time. I'm at least going to court, and, you know, I have no record, so they may give me probation. But sure. Either way, I'm going to get arrested. Uh, it's, it is criminal activity that I want him punished for, but also. here's a, What's the difference between him hitting him, hitting Mason with the helmet, and a batter in baseball charging the mound with a bat and swinging the bat at the pitcher? I don't see any difference. There's no difference. They should both be charged Listen, with something. I have no problem with them fighting. When Nolan yeah. Ryan beat up Ventura, Robin Ventura, Hands I loved that. Hand to hand. But it's hand to hand. I mean, you throw, let's say like in hockey, you throw down your gloves, you yep. go at it. When you're on the ground, the refs jump on you. I get it. Yep. Swinging the helmet at somebody's head and face. What if you hit him in the face with Ooh. the crown of the helmet? Luckily, you hit him with the with the part that's cut out. But what if he hit him in the temple with the crown of the helmet? We yeah, could be talking about real brain damage. The temple, the ear, the back of the head, any of that is dangerous. The there there is the uh, the idea that I want him punished. To me, it's a, it's a matter of character. Uh, you have to be a real villain you to swing a helmet at someone who doesn't who he doesn't pose a threat. Mason Rudolph does not pose a threat. To, to Miles Garrett. To Miles Garrett. No, he doesn't. And there was already someone in between him. Like, you just don't do it. Yeah. I actually remember. Here's what I do good. like. Was Marquise Pouncey. Yeah. I like that. You like that he was defending him. He defended the quarterback. Yeah, he swung at him. Whatever. Yeah. He didn't swing a helmet. He didn't have a weapon. Sure. They both had their helmets on. What What good is sure. you know, hitting a guy in the helmet's not going to hurt, except maybe your hand. I was definitely okay with Marquise Pouncey intervening and him intervening aggressively. Yep. I don't like the look of kicking. He, he kicked yeah, him he the Yeah, he was on the Yeah, he did kicking but everything up to the kicking i was cool with but i mean i don't know what i would do if you know i'm sure they're they're somewhat friends they play together pouncy sure. and rudolph and you see the guy hitting the head with a helmet while he's helmetless i mean what would you do it's, it's adrenaline it's spur of the moment it's not premeditated i can't decide on the punishment they banned him for the year yep and indefinitely really yep i was i've been vacillating on lifetime ban you don't get to play anymore or maybe just one year what do you have any thoughts on punishment I don't. I I think it was a very easy choice for them to yeah. to sit him for the rest of the year because the year's almost over anyway. Right. There's no playoff implications or anything. Now, future future wise, I have no idea. I'm okay with a with a total ban next year if it's lifetime. I, it wouldn't bother me any. I my natural inclination is grace. Yep. And so I have this thing uh, uh, where one full year and we can bring you back, assuming you've you've made some changes in your yeah. life or something. My my thing was you need to look at his history in the league. Uh, his previous discipline issues, like Indomitian Sue. Mm-hmm. I think the next thing Indomitian Sue does, he should be done with the league. Absolutely. Done. He, the, 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 he's dangerous. The dirtiest player maybe yep. in professional sports. Yep. Is and Vontez perfect. Oh, gosh. yeah, He's a dirty one, so, too. There are some, there are some bad dudes in some the NFL. Some cr- criminals in, yeah. <laughs> in the NFL. You know, I didn't prep you for this, but since we're on the NFL before we get to college, uh, I was I have been more positively inclined to towards Colin Kaepernick than he deserves. I, yep. I give him a lot of credit. Yep. Boy, this tryout and his language around it. All he did oh. was sabotage himself, and all he did was make people that have been against him look smart. You're right. I have no problem with him kneeling. That's I mean, his right. Yeah, people sure. fight for that right. You I, think don't res- 
a dumb thing to do, but he can do it. Yeah. Now I don't agree with it. Sure. But I fully support his right to do so. Amen. I don't. I don't think he's being blackballed because he kneels. I think he's being blackballed because he thinks all cops are pigs. He wore it on his socks. Yes. All this kind of stuff. I wouldn't touch him with a ten foot. And what th- gives him the right to think that he is owed a job in yep. the NFL? It's incredible. If I get fired from my current job, I cannot hold another week's probation tryout for that job. Yep. I'm done there. His entitlement. That's their right as an employer. His entitlement level blows my mind. What he thinks he deserves from the world. It is. And then the NFL sets up this tryout. He changes it. His um, his quote-unquote team changes it. Mm-hmm. Invites the media, which I don't have a problem with. Sure. But he moved the venue. He did all this stuff. And he shows up in his you know, post-conference after the tryout. He says all this insane, asinine stuff. Uh, even the T-shirt he wore was was, you know, sending a message. I just I don't know. Does he wear a slave T-shirt? Yes. What did let's let's let's, let's differentiate between slavery and the NFL. Slaves did not have free agency to pick where they wanted to go. Oh, Slaves did not get paid millions of dollars to play a game. Yeah. Please stop using slavery as your platform. It's insulting. It's insulting. And I and I'm a white dude. Okay. Right. I, I, just I just, cannot. I don't, you know, I don't, I can't identify. Sure. None of my relatives were in slavery that I know of. Okay, I'm not that stupid to say, yes, I know how you feel, because I don't. But you have read, you're you're one of the few people that I know have outread me by like 10 times. You've read thousands and thousands of pages in your life. I have. And you know what slavery is. I know what slavery the is. The horror of it. The horror of it. And please stop using it to identify yourself with them, to, to have a platform to speak about. He has made me dislike him so deeply. Because of the slave stuff. And yeah. the, his behavior is so unbecoming and so entitled. Right. I just want him gone. He seems so disingenuous to me that I don't know why anybody even listens to him anymore. Well, very few people are. One I other don't. Quick, quick thought on this. You know what started this, I found out? It's this woman. Yeah. He got involved with this woman. Mm. She's an activist. She's right. an academic. And she has screwed up his whole career. Yeah, she has. Because of what she, uh, the poison she put in his head. Now, granted, I never thought he was a... Great quarterback. He might. He, he had two really good years that yeah. I remember. Now, he's been out of the league for three years, so he's kind of out of sight, out of mind, honestly, for yeah. me. Um, you know, until all this debacle he had. But, look, man, you're not guaranteed a job. No employer in the country has to give you a job. They don't. You know, we say he had a good, a good two years. When the 49ers had the number one defense, they had Richard Sherman yep. back then, Alvin Smith, and Frank Gore was there, and he was great. Like, yeah, it was a great team. There was He was good enough on a great team. Yeah. You're not a great player, man. He's not a great player. He's just not. It's yeah, a, he's not worth all the garbage it's comes just with him. The whole slavery is my platform. I'm a current slave. You know, it is so disingenuous to me. I think it's unfair to people that actually dealt with slavery. Their yeah. ancestors were slave. I I get it. I do. But please stop using that as your platform. When you get me to a point where I'm ready just to be done with you, it means you've gone too far. Because I'm very patient with people. Me too. And and, and I had we both are. Yeah. Right. Now, I disagree with the kneeling for the flag. I do. You know, my grandpa was in Vietnam, he's, you know, Korea, all yep. that stuff. But I fully support his right to do so. Sure. Okay, we did professional stuff. We got to spend some time on college football. Uh, the When the rankings came out last week, it was one LSU after the Alabama win, two Ohio State, three Clemson, four Georgia. Georgia. Um, I don't I, – I have no good argument for who should be number four. I think well, there's not one. There's all bad arguments and some good ones, but because there's, there's no still a lot of conference argument. games coming up, there's conference championships. The four is the only spot that's in flux. I agree. We have no idea who's going to be four. It, is it, it Utah? Is it Oklahoma? Is it Georgia? Who who oh, is it? Utah. Interesting. They have one loss, right? They do. So it's it's assured 
number four will be a one-loss team. Yep. Okay. Uh, if I mean, this question, LSU finishes the season undefeated, loses the SEC championship game, they're still in the playoff. I I'm think sure. they're in based on resume. Yeah. But Ohio State shoots to number one then there, right? I would think so. I really want a semifinal that is not Clemson LSU. I want the semifinal to be Clemson Ohio State. I do too. Here, here's the problem: Ohio State, LSU, they really don't play good defense. Mm-mm. Now they have a lot of superstars on defense, but just based on the points they're giving up. Yep. LSU gave up 41 points to Ole Miss. Incredible. That's bad. Yeah. That's Alabama gave up what 28 to Vanderbilt Ooh. and A and M. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's not good. Speaking of Alabama, really quick, you know, Tua has his. Oh yeah, that's so. That's a terrible. I hate to use this word loosely, but it's a tragedy. It is. Yeah. Uh, you know, good kid. Kids in the hospital. That's that's tragic. But you you don't understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, he should not have been in the game. He shouldn't have played the week before. They would have given him three or four weeks off before the Iron Bowl in Auburn. It was just a bad, bad choice. It is a weird situation we're about to be in. Alabama not being in the playoff. In the playoff, they'll probably still be a New Year's Six team. I would guess. Yeah, probably. But. What a, like, I don't know how to live in that world. They've been in every one of them, right? They've been in every one of them. Five years. Five running. in a row. Um, okay, so this coming week, oh, it's bye week for Clemson. Yep. Uh, then there's the South Carolina game. We really are just now looking at Georgia, Oklahoma. Uh, I should put Alabama in there. Yeah, Minnesota lost. Baylor lost. Um, I think you've still got Utah out there from the Pac-12. I think Oklahoma made a good case for themselves against Baylor coming back from 25 down in I the know. second half. Uh, but there's no defense again. They have a really good offense. Last um, question before yep. we call this a day. I th- I would argue the best one-loss team is, I think, Oklahoma. I would put Georgia right behind them, but close. Who do you think the, the best one-loss team is? I, I really like Utah. Utah. I, I'm telling you, these guys play good defense. They play good offense. They're kind of, you know, forgotten because they're in the in the Pac-12. Yeah. They're out west. You have to stay up till 1 o'clock in the morning to finish their games. Uh, which I do watch. I know, but you're I the like only it. one up there watching it. <laughs> um, but they're they're really impressive. I'm telling cool. you. I would now they may that. The, the, the committee may give them no weight just because of their conference and where they are, but they look really really dangerous to me. Very interesting. So we'll keep watching for new uh, updates next week. Thanks for coming in and doing sports. I appreciate it. We'll be back with another new edition of the Corey Truax Show next week. Until then, everybody, peace and love.